Hello and welcome to Hacked Off. In today's episode, I'm going to rant about password managers. So in in the last episode, I, I mentioned uh, VPNs, talking very briefly about what happened to, to NordVPN. And, and this got me thinking about the, the wider protections that we, that we use and uh, some of the weaknesses there. I mentioned VPNs um, quite a lot in the last episode, I concentrated on those. And I mentioned antivirus as having a similar kind of problem where uh, some people, they, they don't know how to differentiate between the, the security. Uh, and that got me thinking about password managers. Another security protection that is very often uh, recommended by security professionals, and, and there are some considerations around there, is they aren't necessarily uh, the best solution in every context. So, so let's talk a little bit about um, password managers and whether you would recommend them or, or what the alternative is. So I guess, as I said in the last episode, take a step back. What is the risk that we are trying to address? And therefore, is this the best protection for that risk? Well, generally, the the risk that we're trying to address with password managers is the idea of of, uh, weak, predictable, reused passwords. So essentially, all of the major password managers can, can assist you there. Generally, they have password generators built in so they'll they'll pick a a password that is to to some rules you know a, a certain length a certain character set those kinds of things so you can pick a password that is infeasible for you to remember a 60 character password which is completely random so that does address the risk of uh, weak or deterministic passwords in that way um the risk of reused passwords i've seen lots of password managers that will um, highlight to you if it has uh, two saved accounts that are using the same password, it'll, it'll flag that to you and say, hey, there's, there's a risk here, you should uh, change the passwords on these two accounts. Uh, and what's the what's the issue that people often have with password managers? People, uh, about people, I mean, security professionals often say, oh, I don't, I don't recommend a password manager because it's a specific target or a single point of failure. You know, the idea of what if the password manager gets compromised? And uh, that has happened before. Uh, I know LastPass, for example, had a security issue um, years ago. Now, that'll be, what, 2016? I'm going off memory here, where one of their servers was compromised. And they released a statement that said, essentially, you know, attackers didn't get access to to the data because the data is encrypted with the master password. Um, so the idea of, of servers being compromised, the password manager being compromised, it's, it's a legitimate concern, but how does it actually weigh up on, on the risk scale? And I guess this is going to be different between what I will refer to as like technical and non-technical users. Um, it's probably unfair usage there. I mean, between a security professional who is going to read all of the technical details of all of their products and try and find out uh, as, as much as they can about their product choice versus somebody who just wants a password manager because they've heard that it's better for their security. Not necessarily non-technical, not you know completely computer illiterate, um, but just you know your, your average computer user. There's going to be a distinction there, but where I, where I draw this scale is the risk of a, a weak deterministic or reused password being compromised, I think is way, way, way higher 
than my password manager being compromised. And I know people will say, oh, but the password manager is a specific target and the return on investment for compromising it would likely be huge. Yeah, but humans aren't great at picking good passwords. And every time I talk to people about how they do it, and of course I can't verify if what they're telling me is true, you, you hear a few different things, but very often people say something like, oh, that you know, oh, I have a pattern, and I have a pattern for picking passwords. And and my brain just puts that into the category of, well, that's deterministic, right? You know, if you, oh, I don't use password one as my password, I use password one and then the website name. So I know what the password is, but no one else could work it out. So password one Twitter or password one Facebook. Um, you know, if somebody compromised one or two of those passwords, they might be able to work out what that pattern is. Now, maybe you're doing something more complicated than that. You've come up with some internal algorithm and you only need to remember the algorithm and then you can come up with secure passwords. And maybe that's okay, but I still think for most people, it takes away that worry of having to make sure that that algorithm generation is secure. It's just the password manager prevents that risk. It reduces that risk of, of weak, reused, and deterministic passwords entirely. It isn't the only option, though. So when we take a step back and see what is it that we're trying to do, we're trying to reduce the risk of passwords, we have options like multi-factor authentication, or sometimes called two-factor authentication. And that's an option as well. So, you know, why are we jumping immediately on, on password managers being the solution? Multi-factor authentication, two-factor authentication is an option. Um, and yes, it is. I also don't think that's a perfect solution. Just to finish on, off on password managers before I move on, in fact, uh, one more thing to consider, of course, is whether that password manager syncs between devices. Uh, so syncing through the cloud, sending your, your password store between devices. Um, some of them do, some of them don't. It's obviously a convenience factor if they uh, do sync between uh, devices, but some people might get uh, a bit uncomfortable with the fact that their passwords are stored in some way. Yes, generally stored, encrypted, protected with the master password, but I, I can understand that. You know, the, you're reducing the risk further if you don't have that password synchronization feature. But the alternative, two-factor authentication. Um, a lot of uh, the problem I have with two-factor authentication is just the availability of the second factor. Now, I'm not going to, I'm going to start with the negative here, but I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm saying you shouldn't use two-factor authentication. It's very good. I will get to the very good soon. I'm just going to start with, with my personal negative. Two-factor authentication where you have a second factor, where it's something like, oh, you need your mobile phone so you can receive an SMS message, or you have an app that displays you a code, or you have a device that displays you a time-based token. All of these things, these something you have factors uh, require you to to have that with you. And, and there's an availability problem here where, you know, if I'm using my mobile phone as my factor in some way, be it, be it app-based or be it SMS-based, um, I'll get onto the distinction there in a second. What if I don't have my phone? And what if my phone is stolen? What if my phone runs out of power? There's, there's those things. And yeah, there's there's alternatives around that. There's, there's hardware-based devices, you know, um, U2F devices, those kinds of things where you could just plug a, a device that looks like a USB pen into the into your um, laptop and that authenticates on your behalf. So again, it's something you have, but you know it's not necessarily limited to battery power. Those solutions exist, but there is here um, an availability issue of if you don't have access to that factor, 
then you won't be able to authenticate, and, and that's a difficulty. So I think when when people recommend password managers over two-factor authentication, that might be entirely based on this balance of security to convenience. So look at what is it that you're trying to protect against. Is it guessable passwords? Is it reused passwords? Is it passwords being compromised? You know, another website being uh, having its password database compromised and then a credential stuffing attack or something similar. Um, if it is, password manager isn't isn't the only option. Two-factor authentication is uh, a second choice. I think the, the problem with two-factor authentication, though, other than the availability thing, is it's, it's had a bad name for a long time, hasn't it? For, for two reasons. The first is because of that convenience difference, you always have to have the second factor with you. Um, some people think, oh, a two-factor becomes becomes less convenient, you know? I can't just log into this website by, you know, having my password manager installed in my browser or something like that, and it, and it, and it does the authentication for me. You know, I have to get my mobile device out of my bag and unlock my mobile device and then, you know, open the app, and then it gives me a token that I've only got 60 seconds to enter. Although it could be a more secure option, and we'll get to that in a second, it, it definitely is less convenient. So I do understand people uh, who think, you know, two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication is is bad just because of that convenience factor. Not necessarily true, though, is it? You know, if you use something like uh, a USB device, you don't have to unlock it. You don't have to pull it out of your bag. You know, if you have it uh, available, the, the convenience factor can be minimized. You still have to have it with you, so there's still the availability problem, but it's not necessarily as, as bad as it used to be. I think there's been a lot of work in terms of accessibility and, and convenience for um, two-factor authentication over recent years. I haven't distinguished what I mean by two-factor authentication yet, though, have I? I've been avoiding that. So, uh, first of all, my distinction between two-factor and two-step authentication Two-step authentication, I would use that term anytime that I'm referring to a website where it asks you for two similar um, things, so, so um, one factor twice. So a website where you uh, go to login and it asks you for your password, and then once you've given it your password, it asks you for your secret word. That's just two passwords, right? Maybe you think that would be silly, but you do see it. You do see it. Um, there's certain high street banks that, that I know, for example, where you enter a password and then enter like the, the third character of your memorable word, those kinds of things. That's, that's two-step. That's um, one factor twice. Um, those aren't as secure as, as two-factor, where two-factor is two different things. So this could be um, a password and a fingerprint, a password and access to a physical token password and a time-based PIN number or something like that, where the PIN number is supplied to a device. That's two-factor, and that's that's more secure, but has the convenience issues. So you have options. You can use a password manager, you can use two-factor authentication. I asked Twitter, though, uh, a, a question that um, it kind of went the way that I was I was thinking it might, like the reason that I asked it, but it, but it still kind of surprised me. I don't think it's unfounded, but I, I set up a Twitter poll and uh, at the end of August, the, the, the 26th or something of August, I set up a Twitter poll that said, SMS-based multi-factor authentication is either better than no multi-factor authentication or should never be used. What I'm trying to distinguish be- between here is there are known weaknesses in using SMS messages for uh, your second factor. 
And are people recommending or do people feel, and a lot of my Twitter followers, it's it's security professionals, right? So there's some bias there, but you know, how do people feel about this um, non-perfect solution? And the results came back that 84% of respondents, and there's nearly 300 voters, said uh, SMS-based multi-factor authentication is better than not multi-factor authentication. And it's this idea of, you know, don't let perfect get in the way of better. Having it is better than not having it. But a surprising number of people, 16%, said SMS-based two-factor authentication should never be used. And that was really interesting to me. I obviously had this idea that this might be the case, that people are dead against SMS-based multi-factor authentication, uh, which is why I asked the question, but it's, it still surprised me to see that answer. So this, there's another thing to dig into there, is like, why are people feeling this way? And I think the first thing that I should start with in that regard is um, Google actually did some research back in um, uh, the, the piece that I was published in uh, May of 2019, and it's uh, titled New Research, How Effective is Basic Account Hygiene at Preventing Hijacking? And what they're talking about is that they spent a year gathering data on how different pieces of security information protects in real-world attacks, and they differentiated between automated bots, bulk phishing attacks, and targeted attacks, and they present their information. And as you can imagine, there are some factors or some um, pieces of security information that are essentially useless or, or very low effectiveness. And, uh, for example, um, the knowledge-based challenge of your last sign-in location had essentially zero impact against a targeted attack. It shouldn't surprise you. You know, a targeted attacker is going to do their research, is going to find that kind of information out um, to allow that attack to go through. So that, that shouldn't be surprising. But one of the things that might be surprising to a lot of people is when you look at SMS code second-factor authentication, Google's research showed that in automated attacks it essentially blocked 100% of those attacks. For bulk phishing attacks, SMS codes blocked 96% of those attacks. And even for targeted attacks, it blocked 76% of those attacks. Now, in Google's original data, they do show where their 95th percent confidence interval is. So it's around 76% might be a fairer way of putting it. But my point there is, that's surprisingly effective. That does offer protection. So this, this idea of where you have this question of, is it better than nothing? Is an SMS-based multi-factor authentication better than nothing? Um, that data set, that output, would seem to imply that yes, it is. So why would such uh, a high percentage, 16% of the, the people who I asked, have this idea that SMS-based multi-factor authentication should never be used? Now, I can't answer that, but it did get me thinking why it might be a concern. And I think it's the real-world implementation. And, and if you're one of these people, and if you disagree with what I'm going to say here, then please do reach out and let me know what it is that, that you actually feel if you disagree here. But one of the things that I think it might be is where SMS-based uh, codes are used, where the phone number can also reset the password where this is essentially 
offering a vector for account takeover where the multi-factor authentication is not giving any protection there. So uh, what, what do I mean by that? I'm thinking SIM swapping attacks. If I can cause your telephone provider to give me a copy of your SIM card, and if you've not heard of SIM swapping before, that's a thing to search online because it's an interesting area of security, and many of the proposed protections in the real world aren't working so well. But if I can convince your telephone provider to give me a copy of your SIM card, be that going into the shop and asking for one or calling them up and, and trying to brute force my way through your memorable word or whatever it is that they use to, to verify you over the phone, getting them to send me a copy of your SIM card. If I get that and I can use the phone number to reset your password, as in the target application, the target website will you know, text me a link to uh, the reset field or will just text me your, your password or uh, set a new password and send that over text message. And the SMS is being used as the second factor, then that's offering no protection there, right? By performing a SIM swapping attack, I can still compromise that account. I can understand that might be where some people think it should just never be used. It isn't offering any protection. So we have to take that in the wider context. Google's data set, their output is showing that, in fact, it does seem to be offering protection in a great number, around 76% of targeted attacks, 96% of bulk phishing. It is having an impact. Um, but again, you know, there's some wider context there that, that, that people don't think of. So yeah, certainly interesting. Certainly interesting. I think uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna end this podcast with with a recommendation for what I think you should be doing. Your threat model is different to my threat model, but I definitely think if you're looking at advanced um, security protections, so things like password managers, things like two factor authentication, which you absolutely should be looking at, um, take that moment and think what it, why are you trying to do this? You know what is the reason for this, and uh, and then see which which of those is is the most appropriate uh, to protect your you and your threat model. You know. Weak deterministic passwords, yeah, password managers are, are good at that. If you're thinking, um, you know, uh, targeted attacks, or if you're worried about the the risk of of the password manager and that that kiosk growth thing, then then multi-factor authentication is is another option there. But I think this uh, this conversation is is certainly a lot wider than than some people give it credit for, and some of the protections they're in theory offering and their real world implementation, things like SMS code based multi-factor authentication. Can, can be really different and, and that's worth looking at. Um, well, thank you all for listening and uh, I, I always like to reach out to the audience and uh, the thing I want to hear from from you is um, what do you think about SMS-based multi-factor authentication? Um, if you disagreed with my reason why some people might be against it, then please do let us know that. Uh, and also, which side do you fall on? Do you first advocate for password managers or do you first advocate for and two-factor authentication. What's your preference if you could only have one? Uh, let us know over social media and I will see you in the next podcast.